What's up, Live Church family? Welcome to church today. Whether or not you're tuning in for the first time or you've been following Jesus for years, we want to welcome you here today. We just want you to know if you're leaning in, going, I don't even know if I believe what you believe yet, welcome to the family. Hang out with us because I believe that today God is going to encourage your heart and give you a word that is going to help you today. All right, I want to ask you a question. How many of you have ever lost something? Well, better question. How many of you ever had something stolen from you? Uh, we've had something stolen. We've had multiple things stolen over the years from us. And I know many of you have as well. I was recalling the time when my wife started to notice that the bank account, her checking account started having, you know, money disappearing, money disappearing, money disappearing. She calls the bank. Hey, wait a minute. I didn't make that purchase. I didn't make that purchase. I didn't make that one or that one or that one, that one or that one. Canceled her credit or debit card. And we went after it because whatever it is that got stolen from you dictates your response. You know, like if your garbage got stolen, you ain't going to go after it. You're like, hey, you can have my garbage. But if your kids get stolen and you're going after those, or at least most of the kids, right? We go after the things that matter. I want us to go after some stuff today. Because I think the enemy has stolen from the church some stuff. And God wants to get it back. So welcome to our series called Get It Back. Last week, we got our strength back. What's the point of trying to get our marriage back or our job back or our kids back or whatever it is that you want back if you don't have your strength? You won't be able to sustain getting it back if you don't have your strength back. So we started right there. We got to get our strength back. Today, we're going on another journey. Last week, the whole series started from this story about David and all of his men, because everyone was in the same scenario where they had all lost everything. And this is where the impetus of this series came from. Out of 1 Samuel chapter 30, said David got back everything the Amalekites had taken. David got back everything. Everything. And then it says nothing was missing. Small or great, son or daughter, or anything else that had been taken, David brought everything back. So that's where we got our idea that we think God, well, we think we got it from God, actually, that he wants to get everything back to you. You know, one of the things I obviously we feel like is stolen from us right now is our ability to gather together. And so here we are. I'm like, I I get a preach with a, a cameraman or two. And my wife sitting right here where you cannot see. And she's hanging out there, amen in me, just to encourage me so I got one audience member. But I thought, you know what? I'm going to bring my audience today because I, I like some amens every now and then. And so I brought my own amen crowd. Check this out. If I say something I think is worth an amen, I go, hey, I think you would normally be amen in me. I'm just, watch it. Amen. And if I feel like, man, I'm getting all fired up and I need a little bit more Pentecostal, amen. Here we go. Amen. Hallelujah. Or if we feel like just singing our amen, we could just sing it a little bit. And, you know, it's interesting to tell something that you think is funny and no one's in the room to laugh. So I brought my own crowd laughter. 
<laughs> That's right. So I can just amen for you. I can laugh for you throughout this message today. All right. I want to share out of another story today where all God's people were locked up inside a city. They were in forced quarantine and things did not look good. It was a famine and the enemy had, 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 had them all hiding out. And then God's prophet began to speak and said, listen, everything's changing tomorrow. I mean, the entire economy is going to change tomorrow. All the shelves are going to be stocked with TP. Gas is going to just, it's going to be wonderful prices, food galore. Y'all going to get your jobs back. It was so unbelievable that one of the guys who, who was an assistant to the king, all locked up, was like, ain't possible. Ain't going to happen. Can't, God can't switch it like that. And this is what the prophet said in 2 Kings chapter 7 and verse 2. So an officer on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this thing be? And he said, In fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Basically, the prophet said, It gonna happen. You're just not gonna benefit from it. And I wanna talk today out of this story, and we'll follow it along here, the next verse, because the next thing that we need to get back is we need to get the miraculous back, where God can take the impossible and make it possible, where he takes, he takes things that we could never turn around on our own, and he's like, I'll just turn it around in a day if I want to, and God wants to do that for you. I don't know what it is that's troubling you today. I don't know if it's, it's, it's the kids driving you crazy. I don't know if it's your aloneness is driving you nuts. I don't know what the, you know, the unemployment hasn't come through yet. I'm not getting my stimulus check. I don't know what it is that's, that's troubling you and you feel like, is this ever gonna turn around? I want God to not only restore your strength back to you, but I want him to restore and get back the miraculous to you where you see the impossible become possible just like that. Oh, come on now. Don't make me push my amen button. I can get my little amen crowd going right now. <laughs> All right, look at this story. Look at this. Second Kings chapter seven. There were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate and they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? If we say we'll enter the city, the famine's in the city and we'll die there. And if we sit here, we die also. Now, therefore, come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, well, we shall live. And if they kill us, we only die. <laughs> and they rose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, look at this, to their surprise, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses the noise of a great army. Listen, God is causing the enemy of your life to hear a noise, a noise of, that is bringing fear, switching it from fear in your camp and it's going, fear is getting back into the enemy's camp. Oh, come on now. Let, <laughs> here we go. That's right. Amen. All right. They said to one another, okay, so here we go. They, look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. That's what they said. Therefore, they arose and fled at twilight and left the camp intact. 
their tents, their horses, their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. And when these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they went into one tent and ate and drank and carried from it silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them. Then they came back and entered another tent and carried some from there also and went and hid it. Now look what they did. Then they said to one another, we're not doing right. This day is a day of good news. Hey, welcome to a day of good news. And we remain silent. If we wait until morning light, some punishment will come upon us. Now, therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. Here's our big idea for today and our big idea for our series. We can get it back if we don't sit back. We can get it back if we don't sit back. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. There's a biblical pattern that God wants to give us about from this story of how do we get the miraculous back. I want to give those two steps to you in just a moment. But I first want us to understand the miraculous. When I talk about getting the miraculous back, I'm not talking about getting the sensational back. I I want the miraculous. I want what we could not do on our own, the impossible, to be made possible in our lives, in every sphere, in every arena that God would want to bring back into your life. Here's the first thing that we need to understand about the miraculous. God is miraculous. That's what the Bible says. It says in John 4, 24, God is spirit, which means he's not restricted by the natural realm. He's not restricted. He has no bounds. He's limitless. God is miraculous. The Bible says, Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. That's some pretty good miraculous stuff. And then, it says this, I mean, I just want to give you just a few ideas of what the, 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 the gospels say about what Jesus did. These are just a few of the things. He walked on water. Sounds miraculous to me. Not possible in the natural. He multiplied fish and loaves and fed thousands of people. He rose from the dead. He rose other people from the dead. He knew people's thoughts without them telling him their thoughts. One time he went up on a mountain with his disciples and he shone brighter than the sun. That's pretty miraculous. He turned water into wine and it was the good stuff. He changed weather. It was a storm and he just spoke a word and and, and wind went silent and the waves went calm. This is the kind of God that you and I serve. If we are going to get the miraculous back, we got to start by understanding that God is miraculous. God wants you and I to know that nothing is impossible with him. I remember when I first gave my life to the Lord, when I was a a, a teenager, and I remember the passion that was in my heart as I read scriptures like this about having mountain-moving faith. Man, I wanted pages of my Bible to turn without my finger turning it. Just come on, I can't move. I'll start, I'll start with something small before I go to a mountain and just wanting God to do so many incredible things through me. And I remember dreaming big dreams like, like I'm gonna reach my entire college campus for Jesus. So I'm on fire and I'm like, we're gonna start in a classroom. We're gonna pack that classroom out. 
and then we're going to go to the gymnasium and everyone's going to fill the gymnasium because our God is the God of the miraculous. And so we sent out our flyers and we just about packed that classroom and it was tremendous. The first night, within a matter of a couple months, it was me, a grandmother, and a cowboy. We had revival in reverse. Love that grandmother. Love that cowboy. But where was everybody else? Where was my gymnasium full? Where was my college campus being reached for Jesus? And You know, I, I never struggled, and maybe you relate to this, with God being a God of the miraculous. My struggle was whether or not God could use me. Whether or not I would see the miraculous through my life. Stay tuned if you relate to that. Because God not only is a God of the miraculous, but I want you to hear this. You are a miracle. The very fact that you are watching this, come on, it's a miracle. You're basically in church, right? This is as much as in church you can be right now, and you're in. And no one, mainly you, would ever believe that you would tune in and go to church. You're like, what am I doing going to church? Because God is a God of the miraculous. He ain't done with you yet. He's just getting started. And he has a plan for your life. And you, he wants you to know, are a miracle. If I'm going to get the miraculous back, I got I to start right here. I got to remember, man, just the fact that I'm born is a miracle. You know, you know Jesus He said it like this in um, John 3, verses 5 and 6. He goes, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water, that's being born naturally, and the Spirit, he can't, that's being born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. There's two births. There's being born, which is a miracle, being born again, which is another miracle. Matthew 19 said it like this. His disciples were greatly astonished and said, who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said to them, with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Oh, I'm finding my little amen crowd. Right. With God, all things are possible. We are not physical beings having a spiritual experience every now and then. We're really spiritual beings having a short-term physical experience because you're a miracle. I read a HuffPost blog about what some scientists say about the probabilities of you and I even being born. One in 400 trillion. That's the possibilities of you even being alive on the planet. Being born in the first place. One in 400 trillion. Now check this out. Let me give you an analogy of what one in 400 trillion might look like. All the ocean. You've got one lifesaver to throw out. Those rings. And it has a hole in the middle. And there's one turtle swimming. All the oceans combined with his head under the water. You choose some random spot in the ocean. And you chuck out that lifesaver and floating device, and that turtle just happens to poke its head up in that life preserver. What are the odds? Well, one in 400 trillion, pretty much miraculous. That's the odds of you and I even being on this planet. (laughs) Here's another 
another analogy or a way to say it. Let's say two and a half million people were playing dice with a die that had, a, it was a trillion-sided dice. Two and a half million people playing, roll the dice, to, with a trillion-sided dice, where ours are six, right? Trillion-sided dice, and they roll it, and they all come up with the same side of the die. 536 billion, 475 million, whatever. They all rolled the same one on the first try. Come on, man. I, I have a hard time getting Yahtzee in about one in seven games, let alone these types of odds. You are a miracle. I want you to just say it to yourself. I'm a miracle. I am a miracle. You are. That's the first couple of thoughts I wanted you to understand about the miraculous, making the impossible possible is that God is miraculous and you're a miracle already, just the fact that you're here. So what can we learn from these four lepers in this story about how we can get the miraculous back in our life? You ready? Check it out. Second Kings chapter seven, verse three says this. They asked a question. Why are we sitting here until we die? The bottom line of getting the miraculous back is I must first give God something to work with. They understood, I gotta do something. I remember my grandpa saying, he's like, do something even if it's wrong. And of course, we're not proponents of doing something wrong, but his, his thought was this, don't just sit there. You gotta give God something to work with. What do I give God to work with? I'm gonna give you three things to give God to work with. Now, I'm sure there's many more, but here's three basic things that God's like, if you'll give me these three things to work with, then I can get the miraculous back to you. Pray. Love. Give. When we pray, God has something to work with. When we love, God has something to work with, to to do the miraculous with. When we give, God has something to work with. Prayer. Love, giving, these are ingredients that God says, these are ingredients for the miraculous for me to work with. If you, so if, if I want God to do something, then what kind of prayers am I praying in order to see the miraculous come back? I've got to be praying prayers that are impossible unless God intervenes. So I start praying, okay, God, come on, you turn this situation around. God, I don't know how you're going to do it. Even in the middle of this situation, I, I have a, I, I have a note, note section where I have a prayer list and I pray through it. And I recently have been looking through my prayer list going, some of these prayers, I don't even know how relevant they are for the current situation. And then I began to challenge myself and I go, wait a minute. All it is, is I'm gonna have to stretch my faith that much more and believe you because I have some stuff listed in my prayers that are like, this do not make much sense with the current stuff that's going on in our world. So I'm like, but I have a conversation with God and I say, okay, God, I'm gonna pray the same type of prayer, but it's bigger now for me than it was before. So only you can do this. Now, I can't see it come to pass if I don't give God something to work with. I've gotta pray big prayers. Some of you are like, well, I'm just waiting for that broken relationship to be turned around. Well, do, you got to believe like these, le, these four lepers. You can't just sit here until the relationship dies. You, you got to give God something. You got you to gotta do something. What type of love have you given the relationship? 
what kind of mercy have you given? What kind of forgiveness have you given? What kind of outreach have you given? Have you made a call? Have you written a letter? Have you sent a note? Have you, what have you done in order to see the relationship miracle that you want to see happen? What have you done? I got to give God something to work with. I got to give love to that relationship. And when I do, it feels like, man, I'm giving into a black hole. I'm giving into a mess. But what I'm really doing is I'm doing it by faith. And God now has something to work with. He can restore a relationship when I give love. I give mercy. I give forgiveness. When I give that something to it, God's like, oh, I got something to work with now. So I pray God has something to work with. I love God has something to work with. And then I give. Some of us are like, what, what we might origi- uh, uh, initially feel is, I got a hoard. Obviously, that's how people feel because our, sh- our, our, our shelves of our grocery stores just emptied out of some of the strangest commodities, right? Because people are afraid and they don't think first to give, they think first to take. But that's not something for God to work with. Well, that's why God instructs us about something called first fruits, Give of the first fruits. You give of the first fruits because you don't know how the rest of the harvest is going to look. You don't know how the rest of of the season is going to look. So I give before I know. And that is an act of faith. It's a precedence and a foundation of faith. My giving is that God's like, I got something to work with. So in the, our church does this. These These are the types of things that we do personally, my wife and I. And what we do as a church is we, like, we pray so God has something to work with. We start giving so God has something to work with. And we start loving on people so God has something to work with. We want the miraculous back. You want the miraculous back. If we're going to get the miraculous back, we got to give God something to work with. And so these guys knew that, the four lepers, and they gave God something to work with. Great events. Turn. On small hinges. Did you know that the gospel was first introduced to Japan through just a portion of scripture that landed, floated ashore, and was picked up by a Japanese gentleman? Just a small portion of scripture somehow floated ashore, and that's how the gospel started to get its root and make its way in Japan. Did you know that it was the hunger? of the son of Columbus that led him to stop at a monastery and ask for bread. And the prior of the monastery had relationship with the queen and heard Columbus's dream and set up an appointment with the queen who then helped him embark on his journey to America. All because it hinged on the hunger of a son and a father turning aside to get bread from a monastery for his hungry son. It's not the big stuff that God needs in order to do something miraculous and turn the impossible into possible for you in your life. It's just giving the small stuff, the stuff that feels mundane, but I can't just sit. I can't just sit here. I can't just not do anything. I got to give God something to work with. All right. Second, last but not least is this. These, it says this in 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 9. Then these lepers said to one another, we're not doing right. This day 
is a day of good news. And we remain silent. You hear that? They're like, God did a miracle and it's not right that we're not talking about it. So they go, if we wait until morning light, we can't even wait till tomorrow to tell of what God has already done. Some punishment will come upon us. Now therefore come, let us go and tell the king's household. Here's my thought. Tell what God has already done. Do you want to get the miraculous back? Uh-huh, you do, so do I. Start talking about what God has already done for you. What has he already done for you? Some of you, he delivered me, set me free from my addictive lifestyle. He restored my broken heart. He healed my body. He gave me a business idea and blessed my business. He restored my marriage. He, he, he made me, my heart that was full of anxiety, get full of peace. What is it that God has already done for you? I could, I mean, we've seen God heal us, heal our hearts, heal our bodies, provide for us. What is it right now in the comment section? If you are able to, you can start listing healing, deliverance, freedom, peace. Start flooding the comments with what God has done for you. Do not wait until tomorrow. Listen, church, we, we've, we've got to, we got to catch this lesson from these four lepers. They're like, we can't remain silent. If we're going to get the miraculous back, we got to start talking about what God has done right now, right today. I'm not waiting for tomorrow to tell my story. And here's what I've learned. Every time I tell what God has done, even in our own family, you, many of you have been a part of our church, have heard me tell it again and again. And I never get tired of telling how God delivered my dad from alcoholism, delivered our family from drug abuse, delivered our family from abuse and, and, the, and divorce and brokenheartedness and anger and all of that. Never get tired of telling it. And every time I do, my faith gets built. If God can do it for us, he can do it for you. And that's what somebody else is waiting. Their miracle is hinged upon you telling your story. It took the lepers to tell their story. And when they went back and told the story, the entire town, all of God's people came running out and experienced a miracle they never would have experienced if someone wouldn't have finally got up and said, we can't stay silent. <laughs> I'm pushing every amen sound on my phone right now. Tell your story. Come on. Go in the comment section, go to our website. There is a tell your story on our website. But your greatest story might be right here, right now, in this moment. And that is the greatest miracle that ever happens. And that is that a sinner can become saved. And if that's you and you say, Bob, I don't know if I have a relationship with God. But I'd love to pray this prayer with me right where you're at. And it's very simply this. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Become my Lord and my Savior. Today, I want to be born again. In your name I pray. Amen. Oh, right now I, the crowd is clapping. I didn't have a clap one, but everyone is doing it right now along with heaven. We rejoice with you today. And we've got some next steps for you, so stay tuned. We're going to tell you about those. But church, come on, all of us together, let's get the miraculous back. God bless you. Hey, for those of you that just prayed the prayer,